like pretty dirty and my legs got dirty and all this stuff. And there was an activation of what's happening when I put that, that, that plant in the ground. And this morning, I believe that, that, that God's going to do something in you. So what, what is your impossible situation? I want you to think about that. What's that thing you wish would be fruitful? That you wish you, you could see it sh- shift and change from, from dead to li- alive. We sang about dead bones bringing something to life. What is that? Like, think about that right now. And then what the word comes forth this morning, you're applying that. You're going to apply the word to that situation. You're going to take it and you're going to stir the ground of that, of that space. And you're going to say, I'm going to see what God can do. You're going to water it with the word. You're going to bring the fire of the word to that space. You're going to see the impossibilities of God covering and moving in that space. Because there is nothing you can think of in this room that God cannot do. He can take your impossible situation and he can turn it around. Time and time again, there are things that are natural that you could say, this is a natural thing, but God can do something impossible. And I am speaking to those situations in your life. That the word of God is going to come, and it's going to be like the manure on your situation. It's going to be the growth factor. It's going to be the shift factor in your situation. You need to be activated in it. You need to get your hands dirty this morning. You can't sit and just let it just think it's going to cascade on you. No, you're going to have to grab a hold of it and start moving it around and say, no, this is what truth is. And so, God, we ask that your word would be life-giving this morning, that it would turn things around, that it would be breakthrough, that it would be the impossible made possible, that the change would happen even in our minds this morning, that as your word comes forth, it would be the light the truth, and the way that we would understand exactly what you're doing. Fresh eyes to see. I ask God that you would give them new vision for that situation. That they would be able to see the kingdom. That they would be able to see what Jesus is doing. That they would be able to see the eyes of the Heavenly Father upon that. I just thank you, God, for your word this morning and a fresh anointing for Pastor Ruth as she brings it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. As we begin the message this morning, I want you to join me in praying a prayer that I find myself praying often. I pray it in the New King James, but I'm going to have you pray it in the Passion Translation. So if you would please put that up. Psalm 8611. And I want you to join me in, in praying this. Plan B. It's not on there? (laughs) It's not on there. Let me read it to you. And then you can pray it after me. Oh Lord, teach me more about you. How you work and how you move. So that I can walk onward in your truth until everything within me brings honor to your name. It means so much to me that I actually created a card for you 
to take home and pray that prayer. Uh, it, let it stir you. So the prayer that you prayed actually is the very heart of what I want to share with you this morning. That his truth, that this wouldn't just be a sermon, it wouldn't just be a message, it would be his words coming into you and awakening in you something that changes how you consider life, how you move, and what you do. I want his word to change how we think. And this morning, um, I want you to remember that the word of God is a treasure trove. Do you think of that? A big treasure box? Every time I open it, there's something more and something new that he reveals and gives me and delights me with. New New revelation is available to you as you open your powerful word. And every word is full of possibility. Did you know that? Every verse. Take, for instance, um, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. It says this. Ask, and it shall be. Seek, knock. For everyone who asks. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? Everyone who asks what? Okay. And he who seeks, and to him who knocks, can you hear the unlimited possibilities within that verse? Pursuing God and the truths of his kingdom is rewarding. Actually, it's satisfying. It's mind-bending. It's, it's beautiful. So I want you to come on a journey with me into the word. We're going to look at one story in the word of God this morning. And I think you're going to be surprised at the treasure that's unveiled to you as we look at it. This passage has the ability to be life-changing. But it only works if we grab hold of the revelation. We actually have to grab hold of it and take it and pursue it and, and live it. And I want you to be stirred with the potential of it. Are you ready? So if you want what God has for you this morning, just ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me, God. Speak to me. So the main character of our story is a man named Hezekiah. And he was a king. And his story is actually found in three different books. But I only want to focus on one little piece of his story. And because of that, I want to introduce you to him. In case you've never heard of King Hezekiah, I want you to know a little bit about him. He was a king of Judah. And he came to to become king when he was 25 years old. And he reigned for 29 years. And his father, his father was one of the most wicked kings there was. So when Hezekiah became king... He began to uh, introduce reform to his nation. And he did some, you see, he, he loved God. He loved God with all of his heart. And it says that he was one of the most faithful kings. And so he served God. And he tried to do the things that pleased him. So he tore down the, the worship of Baal in the high places. And he destroyed the Asherah poles. And... Interestingly enough, he destroyed the bronze serpent that Moses had created. Remember when Moses 
had created this bronze snake and it was put on a pole and anybody that looked at it was healed in the midst of something going on in Israel. Well, that they had worshipped for over 900 years and he destroyed it. And he's known as a king whose trust of God was unparalleled in the Judean history. He held fast after God. And so I want you to see some truths found in his story this morning. We're in 2 Kings chapter 20. It's 11 verses. That's it. 11. Can you sit with me for that? Starting in verse 1. Look at this. It says, in those days, in those days when the the Syrians had come and tried to take over Judea, it was in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and he said this, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. How many would love to get that prophetic word? The word of the Lord came to the king. And Hezekiah was about 39 years old here. And he had ruled for only about 14 years at this point. And God sends his prophet to him and says, Hey, get yourself ready. You're going to die. And so I want you to see what the first thing that Hezekiah does. He was so sick he wasn't out of his bed. Alright? And it says in verse 2 that he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. So the first thing he did, the word of the Lord comes. You see, when I get a word from the Lord, I go, oh yeah, oh I love this word. I'm going to hold on to this word and oh, I can't wait to see this come to pass. And I don't think of, of changing this word. I think it is a, a word that's given that's permanent. Don't you think of the word of the Lord like that? Well, I want you to see something here. He turns his face towards the wall and he prays to the Lord. You know, I think he turned his face to the wall for several reasons. One, he wanted his focus and his attention. He didn't want it on all the people in the room. He wanted his, his, his focus turned away from them. And he was focusing on the Lord. And it was kind of like he was going into his own personal prayer closet at that moment. And I also think he turned aside because he was really crying. The scripture tells us that. And I don't think he wanted anybody to see that he was crying. So he turns his face away. And as I read the prayer he prayed, I want you to see the simplicity of this prayer. It it isn't full of fancy words. It isn't long. It's like he's talking to a friend. You see, prayer doesn't have a formula. There isn't this, I need to pray in this way with these words. It doesn't take big fancy words. It's simply talking to God as you would a friend. And Hezekiah, he confesses, he pours out his heart to God. You know, in Psalm 62, 8, it says, Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. It says, pour out your heart to him. 
I don't know about you, but in these last days, I have found myself pouring out my heart to God over and over. I can't deal with this. This is too heavy. This is too much. God, will you meet me? Will you do these things? And so Hezekiah comes and he confesses and he pours his heart out. And this is what he prays. Simple prayer, verse 3. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart. And I have done what was good in your sight. And then it says that he cried. That's an interesting prayer, isn't it? I've tried to do what you wanted, Lord. I lived my life before you. Here I am. I don't I don't I'm confused. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm just pouring out my heart to you right here. He he just wants he just wants to express that he's been obedient to God and he's done everything that he believed God asked him to do. And I'm sure he's like, "Why is this happening to me? What is going on here?" So watch what happens. Verse 4. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying... See, the middle court was the area between the palace and the temple. So Isaiah had come into the palace, into King Hezekiah's room, and he had said, hey, you're going to die. And then he had left to go back to the temple. And so he's on his way back and he's in the middle of that courtroom and the Lord speaks to him. The word of the Lord comes quickly and unexpectedly. If I had just given a word to someone and then the Lord comes to me and says, no, go say this to them, that would be challenging, wouldn't it? I love that Hezekiah asked and then there was an immediate response. And church, I want you to know that God answers. Sometimes we think that our words are just out there and we don't know what happens to them. They just go out into outer space, whatever. They're just out there and will anything happen? I want you to know the word of God says over and over and over again, call unto me and I'll answer you. Call unto me and I'll answer you. Speak to me and I'll show you. In fact, um, I want you to look at Isaiah sixty-five twenty-four. Listen to this. It says, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they're still talking about their needs, I'll go ahead and answer their prayers. I want you to see the heart of God. Did you see the willingness of God? Here, a word of the Lord comes to Hezekiah. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and he begins to pray. And immediately there's an answer. It's come and it comes to the prophet Isaiah in the middle of his going back. And in that, you see the willingness of God. Church, he's willing to hear and answer your prayers. He's alive and active in our lives. If you don't take any other truth from this message, then take this one. God loves to answer his children. I never withhold my information from my children. When they come to me, I'm I'm not like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not like that. When my grandma at children ask me, I'm like fixed on them. What is it? What is it you want, darling? I want to be there and answer. And that's 
God's heart. He's, there's my child speaking to me. Oh, look, look, what are they saying? I want, that's God's heart. Jeremiah 33, 3 tells us to call upon him and he'll answer you. That's his heart. So look at verse 5, 2 Kings 20, verse 5. It says, return. And he's talking to Isaiah. He says, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Interesting. Interesting. Surely I will heal you. It's almost as if he was waiting to be asked. God is truly better than you think, and he's willing to do more than you expect. Do you see what happens here? Hezekiah prays. He has tears and sorrow. And then God hears, and not only does he hear, but he responds beyond, beyond what he's asked. Way beyond what he's asked, beyond what is expected. In one moment of time, the very course of history is changed by this one man's prayer. You see, if he died immediately, someone else would lead, and the nation would look different, and things would change. So destiny was changed. Not only Hezekiah's destiny, but Judah's destiny was changed in this one prayer. So Hezekiah steps out and communicates with God his heart, and destiny happens. It changes. And that's powerful, and you should pay attention to this story. It shows us literally what happens when we pray. God wants you to know that that story gives you a picture of what is going on when you're praying. It's powerful. It shows us literally what happens. It's a picture of a spiritual reality that's happening in our situations during our prayers. When we go to God believing that he hears, believing that he cares, believing that he's willing, things change. We need to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. We need to believe that. I've heard so many conversations that grieve my heart. Well, I can't hear God talk. That's not truth. The truth is that you can hear God speak. The truth is that he does speak to his children. He created you to hear him. You were created with a spiritual reality within you that is awakened to his voice. And he loves you so much that he loves when you communicate with him. He likes when you talk to him when you're doing the dishes, when you're riding your bike, when you're mowing the lawn. He likes when you talk to him when you're driving, whatever you're doing. It isn't this rigid idea. Yes, there's times when we are on our face before the Lord in prayer, but praying is communicating with your friend. It's sharing your heart with him. And expecting him to reply. What struck me was that a prophetic word given by the Lord to one of his most trusted prophets, Isaiah, shifts because of a man's prayer. Wait a minute. 
A prophetic word from God has room to shift with our prayer? Interesting. Don't throw stones at me yet. Do you understand the possibilities that are held within this? The thought? You see, there's a partnership going on. You and him. And he's looking. He's looking. He's looking. You know, when he came to Abraham, he says to the angels with him, he says, should we tell Abraham what we're thinking about doing? See, he was looking for a partner that was interested in changing what was about to happen. And he shares with Abraham that he's about to destroy a city. And Abraham, in the midst of his relationship with God, steps into it and says, well, what if there's 50 righteous? Are you going to destroy them if there's 50? And he has the audacity to go down to 10. What if he'd have gone down to 1? I'm saying that God is looking for us to respond to what he's doing on the earth. He's looking for us to bless and not curse. He's looking for us to uh, reveal and open wide the doors of what he can do on the earth. And sometimes we slam the door shut by our confession and by our words and by our lack of belief in what he, the king of kings, can do. There's so much possibility available in prayer. I've never understood this until he's begun to show me. And if you're interested in taking my class, we're going this way. Anyway. (laughs) Just a little. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. (laughs) And I'm asking you, do you actually believe? And do you trust? And do you even ask? And most of all, do you expect? See... I believe that God longs to be in relationship with you to the degree that your prayers shift and change situations for his glory and honor. There is a partnership at work in prayer that is greater than anything that people have even begun to scratch the surface of. And I believe we're meant to change destinies. I believe we're meant to shift atmospheres. I believe we're meant to change lives. But if you don't believe God can use you that way, how does he use you? If you don't believe that he cares enough to use you to speak to someone else that will shift things, how can he? So I ask you, have you considered the power and authority that you actually carry? You see, as God highlighted this story to me, I was in Colorado and I was having quiet time and he began to stir in me this story. I began to jot notes down of what he was speaking to me. I began to see all the stories in the Bible. They come one and after other. The Holy Spirit was whispering names to me of, of situations and lives that were transformed because they prayed. Sometimes we say words with our mouth and it doesn't go any further. And I challenge you this morning, do you actually believe with your heart? Let your spirit embrace the unlimited possibilities with God. 
Don't put him in a box. Don't think that he's worked only this way or only that way. You see, he's limitless. And in the scripture, in I believe it's in Psalms, but it actually happened in the first five books of the law, Moses was instructed to tell the people to rehearse the stories. Rehearse them over and over. Talk about God. Talk about what he'd done. Tell about the miracles. Tell about it. Because when we know the things that God has done, oh, he opened a sea. Oh, he, he can open a sea for me. Oh, he's, he stopped the sun. He, he can stop the sun for me. See, it sets a precedence in our prayers. The things you see happening in the Word show you the things that God might do on your behalf. And so God told them in Psalms, it goes, tell them, tell the children that aren't even born yet, tell them all the great and mighty things I did. Why did he want them to know all of that? Because he wanted them to know the kind of God he was that he, and the willingness of his heart and the ability he had to change situations. Don't limit him with your small thinking. So often we think, there's absolutely nothing more that I can do about this. Do you ever think about that? You see, there's nothing outside the realm of possibility with God. I want to give you an example of that. I, um, I've, I've said this freely, that I have a grandson who's in trouble. He hasn't gone to court yet, and it's been almost three years. But he, at some point, and the court system is saying maybe ten years. And so I'm a praying grandma. And I'm thinking, what, what do I have the right to pray what, what is the precedence in the word? And so this is what I begin to pray. Lord, I ask for an advocate for my grandson. I ask that you would be and become and provide an advocate. Someone who will speak up on his behalf. Someone that will do something for him. And I begin to pray that over and, and in many multiple ways. It's interesting because now I'm not praying that, I'm praying something else. But at that point as I was praying that, my daughter called and she said, Mom, it's crazy, there's a woman that cleans at our church. And every time she walks, drives past the jail, she prays over Alex. And then um, she called a second time and she said, Mom, there's a judge that goes to our church. And she's taking interest in Alex and she's going to meet with the lawyers that are his lawyers. And I'm like, wow, I pray God provide an advocate and look what happened. You see, we don't know what's possible unless you press the envelope and begin to pray it. And so I'm challenging you to not put anything outside the box of what can do, God can do that allow the impossibility that God can do anything at any time in any way that he chooses to. Don't look at another person's story. Go for yours. Be a frontiersman. Go for it in the unknown, discovering new lands. There in prayer, there's lands that we haven't even begun to touch. Truthfully, I am awed by what God has begun to show me about prayer. You have to go forward. There's so much there. So we're not done with his story, but I want to insert another thought into this. Do you know the verse that you helped me say about ask and you shall receive and all of that? I didn't read the, the two verses that follow that. Could you put 
9 and 11. You know, he said, ask and, and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open. But then he says this. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus wants you to know his heart. If a man, who is there, a man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, you're going to give him a, a stone or a rock. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a, a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those that ask? See, we don't think of him as good. We don't think that he's going to give us good things. And the truth is, his heart is to bless you. His heart is to answer your prayer, to lead you. These verses are so full of unlimited possibility. Prayer is so much greater than we understand. It it holds endless opportunities. And because of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, you carry a power and authority that can change what happens in people's lives. You carry power and authority because Christ is in you. You carry power and authority because of Christ in you. It can change the outcome of a nation, even ours. It can, make a, it can make over a city. And it can destroy evil. Your prayers can destroy evil. One of the things I pray over my children and grandchildren every day is I ask him to cancel every plan the enemy has for their destruction. Are you praying that for your children? For your parents? For your relatives? You carry possibility. Yeah. So, do you really understand who you are? You're an ambassador on assignment, enforcing the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's who you are. Your citizenship isn't here, it's in heaven. And you're given a lot of authority. And there is an enemy out there. By the way, his name is Devil. And he does not want you understanding your unlimited possibility in prayer because he knows that will wreck his plans. Defeat him at every hand by the power of your prayers. Stop him. He was defeated at the cross. Stop him. When I begin to believe that that my prayers change things, I literally saw answer after answer And so will you. Grab hold of that. Grab hold of that. Are you standing on behalf of those around you? Are your family's lives marked by your prayers? Does your neighborhood feel the presence of your prayers surrounding them? Do you carry the authority of Christ with you into the workplace? causes the evil one to run and hide. So I came across this chart, and it was called a spiritual authority, and it kind of rattled my thinking a little bit about how much authority I actually have. And it's called the five dimensions of spiritual authority. And so can you put up number one? The first is redemptive authority. And that's our authority because of Christ's triumph. So because you asked Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior, 
All that he paid for at the cross is yours. All of it. He destroyed the works of the devil. Live like it. Live like it. Number two, you carry inherited authority. Our authority as sons and daughters of God. So when a king and queen have children, they're in children... Their children will inherit the kingdom and its authority because of who their parents were. You are a son or daughter of the king of kings. And you inherited everything he offered. It makes a difference in what you can do. You're royalty. You're royalty. Act like it. Number three, you carry positional authority. That is our authority in Christ. And we did a a series of messages about being in Christ. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ. Your position in Christ gives you advantage. In Christ is everything you need. Do you understand that? In Him is everything you need. You are well positioned to rule wisely and justly. Walk in it. Number four, you carry delegated authority. That's that idea of our authority as Christ's representative. The scripture says that earth isn't our home. (laughs) That we're just an ambassador on a mission in a foreign land. But an ambassador carries all the authority of the kingdom it represents. You have the resources of heaven backing you. Use it. Use it. And the last one is empowered in authority. And that's our authority that comes from anointing. You see, when God calls us to do something, he anoints us with the ability to actually do it. He gives you what is needed to do it. He anointed me to speak this morning. It's his spirit flowing in me and through me that allows me freedom to share the word this morning. And that's called anointed authority. So under his anointing, I carry authority in this moment. The Holy Spirit anoints you for every job he assigns. And his anointing enables you to do more than you are. It enables you to do things that you can't on your own do. You're fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I say be confident in it. Okay. Got sidetracked. Back to our story. The man, Hezekiah. He lived under the old covenant. Not the new covenant that we live under. And changed history through a simple, heartfelt prayer to God. Under the old covenant, how much more do we have? See, Isaiah the prophet tells Hezekiah that God would heal him and that on the third day, he would go up to the house of the Lord. I was fascinated to discover that God didn't just answer Hezekiah's request. He added a bunch more. Look at verse 6. Isaiah is speaking and he says, God says, I will add to your days 15 years. That was number one. Number two, he says, I'll deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. He's only asking about being sick. 
And God says, hey, I'm going to give you 15 years and I'm going to deliver you and your city from the invasion of the Assyrians. And number three, he says, I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Hezekiah's heart touched the heart of God. Not only does God shift what will happen as far as sickness, God tells him I'll add the 15 years, and he takes it a step further and tells Hezekiah that he, he, God, would deliver him and that he would defend the city. Hezekiah receives far more than he ever dreamed of receiving. Look what a simple prayer accomplished. Do you see God's heart for you in this story? It's interesting, Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this, So what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And we quote that, we say that verse. God be for us, who can be against us? But look at the next verse. It says, he who did not spare his own son, he gave the life of Jesus, but delivered him up for you. He delivered him for you and I. Then read what he says. How shall he not with him also freely give you all things? Why did he put that in there? Did it just sound good? Or was he offering you an opportunity that there's more? There's always more. There's more. There's more always in the kingdom of heaven. It's not small. It's large. And God has resources unlimited. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to work in you. And he wants to use you. And he wants you to believe in him. That's God's heart for you. Change your outlook when you pray. Go to prayer as a friend of God, seeking justice and freedom from those around you. It's only our prayers that's going to change this nation. There's no hope besides our prayers being answered. Find the strong man of this nation. Release the goodness of God, because it says the goodness of God leads to repentance. So if a whole truckload of goodness of God pours over our nation, what's going to happen? Repentance. Because the scripture says the goodness of God leads to repentance. We don't think about praying now. We think, oh, we speak bad. We speak curses over our land. We speak curses over our children and our family. Stop that. Speak life and hope and blessing. Speak vision and what God has spoken Unite with God on behalf of our nation, behalf of your family, behalf of your children. Yeah. Pray bigger prayers. Be bold and confident in who you are and what you carry. Be aggressive on behalf of whose lives have been tormented and troubled. You know how many are tormented? God came to to set the captives free, to put at liberty those that are To open the eyes of the blind. That's his heart. Do you think his ambassador shouldn't be following the same things? We're called to do all of that. But church, if we don't believe God will do that through us, or if we don't even believe he'll do it to begin with, how can it be? We have to step into a new place of believing that God does what he says he will do, and he is who he says he is. Stop looking around. Focus on what the Word says. Go after what the Word says in your situation. Ask the Holy Spirit, pray through me. I don't know what to say. Pray through me. I pray that all the time. Holy Spirit, pray through me. 
And he does. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. You know, pray. Believe for the best. Look for results. Expect God's hand to move when you pray. Verse 7. Then Isaiah says, take a lump of figs. Interesting. So they take him and lay it on the boil, and he recovered. They don't know, no, nothing in all the different passages tells you what was wrong with Hezekiah. But he was near death, whatever was going on in his life. So near death that Hezekiah didn't really believe it was possible to come back from it. And so when the word of the Lord comes to him, he asks for a sign that he will actually go to the temple in three days. What is a sign? And how does God respond to that? Why do you always go to be asking for something, a sign? No, he doesn't say that. That's not what God says. He says, okay, I'll give you a sign. Do you want the shadow on the sundial to go forward or backward? He says, it's easy for it to go forward. Let it go backward. And so it goes and they believe it was someplace where, where him laying on his bed could actually see it. They think it was something his dad brought from Babylon, a, a staircase that showed the hour, the hour as each step. And he saw it happen. He saw the step, the shadow on the steps go backwards. Crazy. We don't ask big enough. And it was granted. God loves to ensure us and encourage us. Ask him for something. Tell him, God, I really need assurance here. He'll do it. It'll be amazing how he'll speak and do that. Oh, the way God communicates his heart to us over and over again. Verse 9. Then Isaiah said, This is a sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing he has spoken. Shall the sh- then that's the going backward or forward in verse 10. And Hezekiah answers what I said. And then verse 11. Sorry, Josh. Um, verse 11. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it has gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. See, God is calling us to up our game in the world of prayer. And prayer isn't just for certain people. It isn't. It's you. It's you this morning. And it doesn't take degrees in Christian education to be able to pray. And it doesn't matter if you're three or a hundred. There's no age limit in praying. Prayer takes you choosing to talk to God. It takes talking to Him all the time about everything. It is simple, but full of unlimited possibility. So what might happen if you, like Hezekiah, go before the Lord and ask him to move? That's my question for you today. What might happen? Will you stand with me? personal relationships. 
He longs to know you like you long to know your wife or children or grandchildren or whoever he longs to. And if you've never, ever had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, today is an incredible day to come to know him. I would love to pray over you this morning. You see, he longs to be your friend. He longs to share his heart with you. So if you've never received Christ, I I give you an invitation to come this morning. Will you come? He's so willing to meet you beyond what you could ask or think. I just wait for just a moment. God, as a congregation, we come before you ask you to teach us to pray more effectively. We ask you to lead us in our praying, that you would cause us to pray in such a way that our situations disappear and our our things in our nation change radically, change the face of. That's what we're asking for you, that we would be instruments in your hand, that we would be vessels that are used in the prayer closet. God, I ask you to personally speak to every member that's here today, that they would hear your voice, that you would encounter them in an undeniable way, whether you meet them in their dreams or stand beside their bed and take their hand. God, whatever you want to do, I thank you for meeting your people today because you stirred this word. That's what's on your heart, oh God. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.